Welcome to the Agency Profit Podcast, a show dedicated to going deep space on agency operations, which is just as nerdy as it sounds. I'm your host, Marcel Petipoff. I'm the CEO of Parakeeto, a firm that helps digital and creative agencies measure and improve their profitability. Join me as I interview some of the smartest thought leaders and agency owners in our space and go deep into operations and metrics and all the other things you need to get right so you can spend less time worrying about operations and more time executing on your vision. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Agency Profit Podcast. I'm extremely excited to introduce you to our guest today. Her name is Allison, and she's the founder and chief operator of Operations Agency. She founded Operations Agency in 2015 to help digital agencies and service providers grow their capacity for more clients and experience a less stressful workflow. Her efforts and expertise have helped six-figure agencies get to seven figures and above. She's been featured on the Digital Agency Show, the One Hour Funnel Live Talk, and now the Agency Profit Podcast here <laughs> with me. Um, all the talk about how to implant process into agencies and use them to help them scale. So Allison, I really appreciate you being here today on the podcast. Thanks for coming. Yeah, I'm super excited. I'm, I'm super pumped to dive in. Thanks for having me. All right. So I gave everyone a little bit of context on who you are and what you do, but I'd love to uh, let you give them a little bit more context on who you are and what you do at Operations Agency. Yeah, yeah. So um, I founded Operations Agency, like you said, because I found um, a huge need for agency owners specifically because of the nature of the custom web property and uh, paid advertising and organic search campaigns that were kind of uh, becoming a need, right, for any small business. So everyone kind of had this need and these folks were doing such amazing work. And I was like, well, there has to be an easier way for these people to A, get results um, and B, be able to scale to a point where they're comfortable um, not only with their workflow, but with their revenue. And so um, I kind of found it, I always say this, like the operations agency out of a need. Um, I was being approached a lot for my specific skill sets, um, systematizing workflows. And um, all of a sudden, operations agency was born. And um, I had a couple of clients and it was great. Um, so that's kind of like how I always say, like I stumbled into entrepreneurship and I think so many people, um, would probably actually like resonate or agree with that is because sometimes, uh, things just kind of happen and, um, and, and you just know that this is what you're supposed to be doing. So I found an operations agency, like I said, a couple of years ago. And so far it's been incredible. Um, what we specifically do is we help define workflows and processes to support those, um, workflows so that agencies, like I mentioned before, can function better um, in terms of their uh, um, day-to-day as well as uh, their profits down the line. Awesome. Well, we certainly have our kind of backstories in common where we just saw a need. We saw agencies struggling with this a lot. Um, Yeah, it's amazing how common it is to see uh, so many agency entrepreneurs. A lot of them are just like you and I, right? You kind of stumble into this and Mm -hmm. next thing you know, you're running a business and you're like, "Uh, how did this happen? And then all of a sudden you have to become a business operator and processes and procedures are all a part of that learning curve. So this is really cool. And I'm excited to have you here. It's so topical for the the focus of our podcast, which is the agency profit podcast, all about efficiency, process and procedures, and the non sexy stuff that nobody else really wants to talk about on their podcast. Everyone wants to talk about sales and client acquisition. We talk about that too. But this this is the stuff I like to nerd out on. And I hope everyone that's listening at home also likes it just as much. If not, Mm. 
I don't know. This maybe not, maybe isn't the best podcast for you. I hate to say it, but we're, <laughs> we like to turn out here. So with that, I want to get into some really tactical stuff because I think we have that opportunity here with you today. And the oh. first thing I want to ask you is, like, what are the symptoms that an agency might be experiencing that tells them they need to start paying attention to their processes? This is a great question, and probably my most favorite because. Um, you know, if anyone and obviously folks listening, like know the the marketing spectrum, right? Like you either don't know you have a problem, you know, you have it or you're doing something to figure it out. Right. And so like, I always like to signal to agency owners, uh, probably about three big things. Um, first and foremost is scope creep. And I know that this is like such a buzzword for agencies right now. But like, if you're finding that the norm is scope creep, when you do a project, then like, there's maybe something going on that's a little wrong there. Um, the second thing I always love to signal people toward is a repeat clients. Um, so if you work with a client and then they're exiting your business as quickly as they're coming in, we might need to take a look at some of the ways that we retain our customers, thus adding a little bit um, more to our top line. Um, and then the third and final thing is always going to be, um, sorry, one sec, uh, inconsistent revenue. That was my third thing. So for the most part, we find agencies are operating at either like a feast or famine type of like monthly income. And so I know oftentimes uh, folks will only spend one month focusing on sales because the previous month was super low in revenue. And then the next month, once they get all those sales, they're only focusing on revenue or sorry, only focusing on um, fulfillment. And so usually when we're splitting our efforts like that, that's where we find like that feast or famine come in. So those are the three big things that usually I'll signal and say, all right, wait, we might need to take a step back and take a look at how you're operating. Yeah, those are all bang on for sure. It, it, based on my anecdotal experience as well, um, especially when it comes to scope creep. I mean, there's some agencies I've, I've talked to and kind of gotten under the hood of where it's just like totally normal to them to under budget a project by 20 or 30%. And you're like, why? Why is this happening? <laughs> What's the point of this? Uh, and to your point, the feast or fam, I mean, that's such a common thing. And um, I found too that with feast or famine, that's often a symptom of when the, the founder, right, is still selling and totally. they don't like, and, and then it gets to a point where they don't want to sell anymore. Even if they say they want to sell subconsciously, they don't because they know that they pay the price every time they close a deal. And you got to try and get away from a situation where you feel anxiety and discomfort when you close a sale because you know that you have to now and go do all this work and deal with all these problems. Um, so definitely some good symptoms there. So if you're listening and any of that sounds like you, then open your ears even wider because we're going to get into some important <laughs> golden nuggets here. So <clears throat> let's dig into uh, this a little bit more. What are some of the most important processes? Like if I'm an agency owner and I've just kind of like stumbled my way to a, a small team and now I'm like, okay, I need to get some process in the place. Where should I start? What are the most important ones I need to get in place that's going to kind of give me the highest return on investment for my time? Yeah, it's a great question too. I think that the first place I always recommend agencies start is with their onboarding, right? Because onboarding is such a really um, pivotal point in A, the client relationship and B, the introduction of the client to the team, right? So if you have a small team who's helping you do some of the heavy lifting, if you're still kind of having your hand in a lot of the project management, what we want to make sure that onboarding does is first and foremost, set that relationship up with the client as best as humanly possible, right? Right after the sale, we want to start off on an amazing foot. And then on the back end, what we absolutely want to do with onboarding is we want to make sure that the 
team knows and is in the best position to be teed up to get fulfillment started as quickly as possible. And I think you said just a, a couple of minutes ago, like we, got, we need to remove that if I make a sale, it's a bad thing from the entrepreneur or from the founder's mindset, right? Because oftentimes I find at least that when I work with some agency owners, they're like, well, I'd love to make 10 more sales and I can make 10 more sales, but right now, like I can't handle it. And onboarding, in my opinion, is the first kind of like mental relief too from that sales process to know that like, as soon as they pay you, or as soon as they sign the proposal, that everything after the fact is like completely streamlined and automated so that the next team member who needs to actually like start doing the heavy lifting has everything that they need. And that also has a ripple effect, right? On scope creep so that we don't have to go back and forth and say, Oh wait, we need your click funnels login. Oh wait, we need your creative and your copy. No, 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 no. You got to get that all right from the beginning so that you can kind of just propel the relationship that much faster. Mm. Totally. And another thing that, uh, that is important about that, and, and this is just because I went through this recently with a client of ours, right? We just kind of revamped the onboarding process. And it was actually because of feedback that we got from contractors that were working with them saying like, we don't feel like we have what we need to do our job here. Um, so it has a big impact on your team as well. When you get them everything they need, they feel empowered to just go in and, and start doing their best work and give the most value that they can to the client. And it, it feels really good for them as well. It really helps everybody. Totally can't even agree more with that statement. Um, I love one of the biggest um, kind of like emotional <laughs> reasons why I started my company and why I do what I do is to empower like really effective teams. Because so I think oftentimes entrepreneurs can overlook the folks who are coming into their corner and supporting them. And I think ops is like the best way to show your team, like, I care about your workday. I care about you being maximized. I care about you having the easiest go of this possible to create the most and best results that we can possible for our clients. So I can't even agree with that even more, <laughs> honestly, if I try. Awesome. So I want to dig a little bit more into that. But before I do, are there any other kind of key processes that um, people listening at home should be keeping in mind that are a good place to get started after they handle their onboarding? Yeah, totally. So I think uh, the, the main three for me, first is onboarding. That's what we recommend first and foremost. Second is, um, for the most part, um, any service that you are actually fulfilling on, right? So like writing down, one of the biggest things that I do when I first come into an agency is I have them write down all the services that they've completed in the last like 30 to 60 days, right? And then rate those, right? So we say, how well did we feel doing it? Um, how many results, like how great were the results that we got for our clients, right? And then how many of those clients are still with us? And so that, in my opinion, is a great way to start to see, okay, what can my fulfillment processes be? So if first is onboarding, second is super clear fulfillment processes, then the third absolutely needs to be maintenance and tracking, right? Because if you have an agency client who does a project, then we want to keep them, right? That's the number one way that we can ensure client retention is if we're able to enact a really amazing maintenance process so that when a client raises their hand and say, actually, I need an edit to a campaign, it doesn't just throw a gigantic wrench into the one-way flow of work, right? Um, so yeah, those are my top three. Um, and quite frankly, like if agencies, you know, operating at like low six figure, don't start to enact any other processes besides those, unless you have those down pat in your sleep, right? Like you need to absolutely just trust that those are functioning so well before you go and, and implement anything new. And, and that is totally the 80, 20 
Um, <laughs> yeah. Like you say those three, it's, it's totally the 80, 20. It's you're going to, it's going to take you 20% of the time to write those processes, you know, just to your point, like the, the handful of services you do often, the fulfillment process, the onboarding process, and, you know, coming back to what we said earlier, that all of a sudden is going to totally change the dynamic when you make a sale and then how you feel about that afterwards. Uh, it's going to create so much more predictability. And I'm sure you and I have both seen it's going to increase your profitability quite a bit. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> so I want to dig into these now um, and really pick your brain. So when it comes to an onboarding process, um, you know, what are some of the keys to success to having a great onboarding process that's going to make sure the client has a great experience and that your team can go to work? Yeah, totally. So I think the, the first thing is, is automate as much as possible, right? So if you know, for example, that you have your key services lined out, you know that you're bringing in people for a certain type of thing, right? I always recommend having an amazing service agreement in place just to say, hey, look, this is what I'm bringing to the table. This is what you're bringing to the table. So acceptance is, is probably the first big thing. Um, the second thing is, is having a really nice data gathering form. So like whatever um, products or services that you offer, if you need an amount of data from your client, sit down and really look at the past couple of projects and think through like, okay, where might that scope creep have happened, right? Do we need to get logins? And then if we're consistently not getting logins that work or Vimeo links that go to the right page. I'm just speaking from actual experience here. Like you need to go in and check those. And I know it sounds tedious, but if we can start to actually enact um, stuff like that, where it's data gathering and then quality control, um, it's not as like red tape as it sounds. It actually will help expedite things so, so, so quickly. So I'm talking service agreements, definitely data gathering. If we need to quality control that from any sort of purpose, right? Just checking through everything. And then the third piece is an amazing onboarding call. So once you have every single thing that you need, that you know can kick off a project really well, what you want to do is you want to chat with that client and say, hey, here's the deal. Based on what you've given me, I have these five or 10 questions. And then we can move forward with confidence. And whoever needs to be on that call from a project management perspective, from a copywriting, graphics, um, you know, digital, you know, assets, creation sort of situation, um, invite them to that call and really make it, um, you know, a team collaborative effort if that's the way that you're, you know, going to run the project. Hmm. Yeah, no, those are great. Um, I, it's super important to your point to get all that information from the clients and make sure that it's all the right stuff because uh, that communication can really end up killing you. And I, if you don't mind, I'm just going to add a few things from the experience I just had working through this. Um, one of the things that we found was really important was making sure that all this information was really easily accessible to everyone on the team that needed it. And uh, instead, instituting some communication that works for the team where they communicate. And in, in our case, this agency was a lot of email. So it's an email that goes out with all the links and people are now referencing that email super, super often because they know they can in two clicks get to whatever it is that they need, whatever assets they need. So for you, whatever it is, it might be a Google Drive folder, it might be a channel in Slack, it might be an email, it might be in your project management system, but figure out what that spot is that your team likes to hang out at work and make sure that everything they need is right there. It's going to make everyone very happy. Yeah, it's a great addition. So um, that is the onboarding process. Uh, what about fulfillment? I mean, these are obviously kind of a 
I love seeing agencies that have very specific um, types of projects that they do. And even the ones that are like mega creative and they do a ton of bespoke work, generally they're going to, to your point, there's going to be some level of consistency to the type of work that they do. So what are some of the keys to getting a fulfillment process in place um, and documented? Yeah. So um, my view about fulfillment is that there's an internal and an external process, right? So the external process might be something um, like uh, productizing a service, right? Or, or standardizing a service offering or packaging that in a way that says, look, here's everything that you're going to get. So it's kind of processed out. You're first going to do this, then this, then this, then this. And then the back end of that might be more of a, a proprietary process or an IP, right? It might be something where to your point, where some of these more creative agencies are doing a lot of custom work, custom work for the clients. But in reality, they're taking them through a very specific set of either mental or physical steps, right, to kind of make sure that all of that data is in place to make sure that everything is exactly where they needed to then go ahead and be able to implement. So I like to challenge agencies to think of and I kind of dove into this um, on the front end, you know, writing down all the services, rating those, you know, from one to three on effectiveness and whatever, whatnot. But then on the back end, what I would definitely start to think about is, okay, well, when I get someone and maybe the project's a little bit more custom, um, you know, what, what steps do I take, right? Like, what do I ask of myself? What, what needs to be true for these slots to be filled? What needs to be true for these assets to be created? And so kind of thinking about that internally and externally is really important because externally, right, it makes the client experience much better. And then internally, kind of what you mentioned before, it makes your team feel like, okay, I can now replicate what the founder is doing. So that piece is where I see so many agencies fall short, but where I feel like the greatest magic can happen. Because if you start thinking about, okay, what makes my process unique in terms of how I fulfill on the back end and how can I make that as clear as possible to my team, all of a sudden you're just short of duplicating yourself, right? You've got another couple of hands in the bucket to say, here, let me take this from you. And even more so, how can we make it better? How can we make it more understandable universally to the team on the back end? And how can we communicate that to the client? So that's how I like to approach fulfillment. Um, it's tough to have like a one size fits all like way to document that sort of thing. But if you can be thinking about it in those two buckets, I mean, you're already going to be off to the races probably better than 80% of the agencies out there. Do you want some free resources to help you measure and improve your profitability? If you do, then I want to tell you about our agency profitability toolkit, which you can grab absolutely free in the show notes or by heading to parakeeto.com forward slash toolkit. It's packed with training videos, cheat sheets, templates, and all kinds of other great resources to help you start measuring and improving the essential metrics that are going to drive better profitability in your business. And it's helped thousands of other agencies around the world do the same. So I want to encourage you to go and grab a copy of that. And if you'd rather get in the fast lane and just have our team of experts guide you through the process of measuring and improving your profitability, then I want to encourage you to apply for a consultation at parakeeto.com. And with that, I want to thank you again for tuning in. I hope you enjoy the episode and I'll let you get back to it. I love that distinction between internal versus external. That's the first time I've heard it positioned that way. Um, it makes complete sense. Yeah. So last, but certainly not least, um, the process for retaining the client. What are some of the things we need to make sure we get right there? Yeah. So that to me kind of falls in three parts, right? It's, um, it's 
So ascending. So if you have a follow-up service, right, if they get web property, then we might need a way to run traffic to that. So what's the next logical step and have that teed up, right? If that's you or if it's a partner, um, however that needs to look, I think knowing that before you start to offer a service is probably in everybody's best interest. Um, because even still mentally, that client will still attribute that connection if you refer them out, right, to you, to you getting that result. So that's number one. What's the next logical best step? Um, number two is maintenance, right? Because you build a campaign and something breaks. It happens every single time. Or we need to change a link or we need to do whatever, right? And so that 100% should be a separate workflow. 100%. And I think so many agencies get this wrong because they think, oh, if it's a copy issue, I'm just going to send it back to my copywriter who's working on doing these, these other projects, right, for new clients. Um, and it doesn't necessarily need to be an entirely separate team, but it definitely needs to be a separate workflow so that it doesn't, like I mentioned before, throw a wrench completely into what you guys are doing to make sure that people get in and get their first kind of service dialed in as fast as possible because we want results and we want them quickly, right? And then the third kind of bucket for keeping your clients is uh, tracking. So if you're doing any sort of reporting on campaigns, if you're sending them weekly updates, if you are, you know, kind of into a situation where you're updating um, different web assets and, and whatever else, um, that kind of, you know, bridges the gap between maintenance and tracking, right? So you want to have that kind of stuff in place. Your team needs to know what they're looking for, what means we should scale the budget, what means we should dial it back or like turn something off, what means we need to like go complete crisis mode and blitz something. Um, so that your, your team needs to understand that. And so does the client, right? Because the client needs to know, okay, not only did they build me this incredible thing, but they're also invested in making sure that they know first where we need to make the shifts and adjustments. And they're going to communicate that to me because I'm not the expert. You're the expert, right? Like you need to tell me when I need to scale or drop the budget and you need to tell me when stuff's broken. Um, so yeah, do those three things and your clients will stay with you for as long as you're in business. Yeah. And I love this, this strategy. And again, it's something that I worked through with a, a client recently where they were doing a lot of like really big, super creative, super bespoke projects. And, it, you know, I think one of the big opportunities was like, well, we need to keep those clients around a little longer. So we started thinking about what are some different services? What's the next logical step? What can we do to actually enhance the work you're doing? Um, and the founders actually came up with phenomenal ideas. So now it's just a question of executing on exactly this process, making sure that it's documented. And to your point, um, making it a separate workflow is something that is definitely going to be important because you can't be in the middle of doing all these other things and have these these things come out of left field because they typically come in with urgency. Um, totally. A lot of these maintenance things, right? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's a, that's a really key insight. I appreciate you sharing that. Yeah, totally, totally. So the next place I want to go is the question that I'm sure you've been asked a million times and the fear that every agency owner has, which is I go through all the work of building these processes and nobody uses them. So how do we make sure that our teams are executing on these things and doing so with excellence and that it actually works? Yeah, so that's an interesting question because uh, I don't have a one size fits all answer for that. Um, the, the, the truth is that when you're choosing um, a workflow, right? And so the way that I think about, um, you know, an operation, right, is that there's a workflow and then there's processes that support the workflow, right? So a workflow might be um, a project or a way a client moves through a project. And then the processes then come in and they say, okay, this is what to do at this step of the project, this step of the project, this step, et cetera. 
Um, so the fact of the matter is, is you need the workflow, which is supported by, let's just say it's a software or project management tool or what have you. Um, the agency owner needs to first and foremost, use the project management tool. So that needs to be something that they themselves are willing to invest in and spend time in and get to know really well, as well as uphold their team members, right? Like if you have department heads, if there's a copy department head and you have three or four copywriters under you, you need to make sure that that head person is keeping them accountable to updating the project management tool, right? Like using the software and actually making sure that that's happening. So quite frankly, I, I super don't believe in like really defined job descriptions. I think we let our processes define our job descriptions and then the KPIs become do those things that I documented right. over here. So for the most part, there should be no confusion, nor should there be, hey, look, you didn't do this, that, or the other thing. Because if they didn't move through the workflow and follow the processes, then that means that they're not hitting their KPIs and maybe they're not the best fit on your team. So really like walking the walk and building everything in to say, hey, listen, this is how you need to move through this. And it's super, super foolproof. I think you'll get um, team members thanking you more than you'll get team members who aren't actually doing the work. Yeah, that's an interesting distinction that you just made too around the job description being, you know, a byproduct of the process. Um, and it's something that a recent guest actually brought up, Scott, he said, really a similar thing. He said, like, this is a performance thing. You know, mm -hmm. if you're not following the process, then that's something that we have to review in a performance review. And we have to say, look, you got to follow the process. And he goes, the next time that you have a performance review, if they're still not following the process, all you have to do is say, look, I asked you to follow it. You're not following it. What do you think I should do? And totally. they're probably going to tell you that you need to fire them. Totally. <laughs> so, I mean, think yeah. about a car, right? You've got all the parts working together to do one thing, right? Is to drive, right? So it's really clear when something isn't doing its job, my car, the light comes on, right? It's like, oh, wait, you need oil. Oh, wait, your tire pressure is low. So you'll be able to see those pings, right? When the thing is moving, but there's an issue, it just comes up. And it's really clear to know like, okay, I need to go in and add air to my tires, right? So if it's that simple, that's fine. But the main thing, the engine, right? That's actually driving the car. All those other items are supporting that thing. So if you're really clear with your team, hey, look, this is what our business does and here's how we get results for our clients and this is where you plug in for the most part there should be no confusion yeah awesome so there you go guys some tips on making <laughs> sure that you get your team to actually execute on the processes you got to hold them accountable um, and I loved your point too about the owner or the leader you know whoever it is that's leading the team actually also being you know engaged in the process and doing things and leading by example that's definitely key um, so the next question that I get a lot, and I'm sure you get a lot is, well, the Facebook algorithm changes every two weeks, or the interface in Facebook ads manager changes every two weeks, and this thing changes and that thing changes. So how do you keep all of these processes up to date? And um, I want to ask you, you know, what's your favorite strategy on making sure that these things get reviewed, they get updated so that there aren't these big gaps in process. And then, you know, naturally, the byproduct of that is they're obsolete. So then people make exceptions and all of a sudden the whole thing kind of gets away from you. Yeah, good question. And quite frankly, um, I'm of the belief that folks should be or could be doing um, yearly planning in quarterly increments, right? So if you have a small organization, I would definitely be reviewing your processes or the ones in question, right? The ones that are kind of coming up for, you know, an edit or something like that, at least quarterly. If you have a high influx 
of um, clients and you have something that applies to them, like an algorithm change or like a strategy change or a product or service change, then you definitely need to be reviewing that at your next monthly meeting. So quite frankly, uh, with me, I update them in my meetings. So for example, what I do in my rhythm with meeting with my team is we meet weekly for 30 minutes, monthly for an hour, quarterly for two hours, and then yearly for a day. That's kind of how my meeting strategy goes. And so in every single one of those meetings, we do like a, hey, what's going on with SOPs? Like, what do we need to create? Because we're always creating SOPs. We do so for our clients as well. So we usually have a list or a queue ranked in order of importance of like what either needs to be made or updated. And so that could be as simple as creating another project, right? In your project management tool, or even creating a spreadsheet to say, hey, listen, we're going to link the processes that might be out of date. And we're going to take 10 minutes to update that. Because I guarantee you, if we didn't do that for 10 minutes a week, then we would have stuff backed up to the month. And then all of a sudden we would have a two hour, three hour workflow on our hands, right? We would have things, they just get messy, right? They get built up and then you don't change one thing right away. And it kind of compounds. So I would recommend building it into your administrative work whether it be in meetings or in a different Slack channel, like we have a processes Slack channel where we just kind of like dialogue about, Hey, look, this needs to be updated or Hey, this link has changed or this login has changed or whatever. Can we add it? And then we have a process admin, right? Who comes in and takes that stuff and goes and updates our processes. So that's a more sophisticated way to look at it. But quite frankly, the main takeaway here would be to just visit them on a consistent basis. Yeah, no, I totally agree with that. It, it's funny. That's almost exactly the way that we approach it as well. But we took, um, you know, we, I'm a software guy. So we took the, the same approach that we used to building software, which is two week sprints. So mm-hmm. every two weeks we meet and to your point, we have a backlog. It's prioritized in terms of importance. Anybody can contribute to the backlog so we can discuss those items and figure out where they fit. And then every two weeks, everybody gets, you know, a few things to take care of and they're never that big. Some of them are a little bit larger undertakings, but you know, we figure out when there's the capacity to take that stuff on and and it has, but there has to be a cadence to your point because it, you, you'll never make time, especially in an agency, you will never make time for this uh, if it's not scheduled in because there's always going to be enough client work to keep you busy. Totally. Uh, yeah, always enough. That couldn't be truer. <laughs> yeah. So I love that. Bake it into your process, get it into your workflow, have time set aside specifically to review and update process and do it often. Exactly. Excellent. So uh, there's been a lot of golden nuggets here so far. And uh, I hope everyone listening at home is getting lots of value. Um, The next place that I want to go, and it's a dangerous one. I don't know if we should even go here, but it's around (laughs) around tools. And tools to me are like, I mean, the reason that our company exists is because there's too many tools and trying (laughs) to figure out how to get them all to work together is an absolute nightmare. Um, And I know that this is something that I talk to people every day about. Um, And so I'm not asking you to recommend specific tools because you're probably going to say the same thing that I say, which is it's like, I don't have a favorite project management tool. It's the one that you use. That's my favorite one for you. But um, do you have any recommendations on just an approach or a framework to finding, you know, that, that right stack? Any general guides for those that are kind of in the weeds of that, which is most people most of the time? Totally. So I actually really love this question because I've been asked similar questions, but never in this way. And I do have a firm flag to kind of stake in the ground about this because 
it's my opinion that um, agencies or anyone, right, with a workflow that's maybe a little bit mismanaged sees a software and then tries to pigeonhole their workflow into their into that software and thinks that that's the magical answer, right? But what we might then instead do is say, I'm not going to choose a software until I can consistently use, let's just say a free something, right? If it's Google Docs, if it's whatever, right? And you can say, hey, look, I'm going to move through this workflow consistently for three months, decide what I want to see out of a software, and then make software audition for my business. Because quite frankly, everyone's business is different. And there will be a new software that comes out every other day saying that they have all of the answers to your project management <laughs> questions. But the fact of the matter is, is you are in business because you're different. You attract clients because you're different. And that's just the fact of the matter. So if you can find a workflow that works for you and then a software to support it after the fact, not only will you not feel the weight of having to adapt to a new workflow, but then you'll be three, four, five X more productive, right? Once you've been able to put everything into that software, because you've already been running the workflow for three months, right? So I would say, take a little trial run, figure out what exactly do I want and need from my workflow and then marry a software. Yeah. And another little nugget to add on top of that, don't um, let your project manager trial 50 different tools. That's a huge waste (laughs) of his or her time. Hire a consultant to whittle it down to take a look at your workflow, whittle it down to like a handful of tools and then move forward with that. Um, And it's possible if you have a super bespoke workflow that you're going to need to get somebody to build you something custom in Airtable or Smartsheet or one of those other, you know, databases for small businesses. But um, I love your point. It's like the tool is not going to solve the problem. uh, Most of the time, it's it's a question of to your point workflow. And that's the reason that there's 300 billion project management tools and 500,000 CRMs and a new one every day. uh, Because you, you just can't get that right for everyone. Totally. And the fact too is, uh, I mean, you need to have something doing its specific job, right? I see so many people who have like two autoresponders or a CRM and an autoresponder. And I'm like, well, why? Right? Like try and consolidate as much as humanly possible because the least we can go through something like Zapier, right? If tech can natively talk or we can keep everything under one hood, um, the easier it'll be on the team as a whole. Yeah. All right. So this was, this was a very informative episode and I'm sure there's lots of people listening that are like, I need to listen to this person more. So, um, Allison, where can people follow you, find out more about you and see the content that you're producing? Yeah, totally. So I have a podcast. It's called the Smooth Operator Podcast. It's everywhere um, where podcasts are available. So I kind of um, talk usually um, a couple times a week just about uh, productivity hacks, uh, operation stuff, uh, team stuff, you know, everything that we really kind of touched on today. Um, If you want to grab the blueprint for my onboarding process, uh, which is super valuable to a lot of agencies, you can head to operationsagency.com slash guru and check that out. Um, Because I am going to go ahead and brand myself as the onboarding guru. (laughs) I do think that this is uh, something that will relieve workflow um, just in the beginning of agencies kind of diving into their operations. So I'm really excited about that. All right. Awesome. There you have it. The Smooth Operator Podcast. It's a great name. I really like it. (laughs) And the blueprint for your customer onboarding, which as we discussed, is the most important process for you to get right 
in your agency first thing. So I will leave links to that in the show notes. Uh, so you'll be able to go and grab that wherever you're listening. And of course, if you got value from this episode, please let us know wherever you heard this, leave us a comment, reach out, ask questions. Uh, I'm speaking on behalf of Allison here, but you seem like a nice enough person. You want to want to help people out. So totally. let us know what you got from this. Let us know what uh, your questions are and happy to answer those. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, hit me up on Facebook if you have any operation-specific questions. I love talking ops. I think we just nerded out for like a really long time on this, but I can go all day on ops. Awesome. I'm glad that we're now Facebook friends, and so I'm looking <laughs> forward to many, many heated uh, conversations in the comments section of your Facebook statuses. Ah, hopefully celebratory conversations. Yes, good ones, good ones, but just passionately yeah. talking operations. It's going to be great. <laughs> So with totally. that, Allison, I want to thank you so much for making the time to come on the show and sharing your thoughts and all of your wisdom with our audience. And uh, for those of you listening, make sure you go check out those free resources and get your onboarding SOP dialed in. Yeah, thanks for having me. It was a pleasure. Awesome. All right, guys, thanks for tuning in. And we'll see you on the next episode. Hey, thanks so much for tuning in to today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you've ever found yourself thinking, man, I get so much value from this podcast. I wish there was something I could do to return the favor. Well, today's your lucky day because you can leave us a review wherever you're listening to this. And it is incredibly helpful. Of course, if you haven't grabbed a free copy of the Agency Profit Toolkit, go and get that. It's got tons of free resources to help you improve your profitability. If you're looking to get in the fast lane and get help from experts to improve your profitability and measure your most important metrics, then apply for a consultation at parakeeto.com. We'd love to chat with you and figure out how we can help. With all of that, thank you so much for being a listener and we will see you on the next episode.